Steve started out, uh, he sat down and he goes, like under his breath to me. Oh, come under on. Under your breath, you go, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm not a... <laughs> I'm not a big haircut guy. I'm not. But I that that I don't know what that means. First of all, because I'm a huge haircut guy. I, I gotta say, I'm not a big haircut guy, but I, that guy loved Ross. I just love the way that guy cuts hair. I love that's what you hit me with. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you bought me a haircut yesterday. I, I told that guy to Venmo me. No, I took care of it. God damn, you got money. I took, now here's no, the thing, I don't. dude. But I at a principle and respect, I was like, this one's on me. I, I used you as an example for my children that I'm sorry need lessons and respect about how one should conduct themselves because Daddy doesn't set a good example. <laughs> Steve Byrne does. Example. Steve Byrne, the Byrne does. Yeah, well. Uh, Stevie Cakes does. Stevie Cakes, and the right. Man Dragon doesn't, and so they've had me to use as an example. So it's very helpful when I have a real human being in my house. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, thank to you. teach them how to fucking behave. Like, hello, please, thank you, no. Listen to people. Take an interest in people. Yeah. Daddy put a shirt on. Daddy, daddy put a shirt on because the neighbors are staring at you with envy. Here he goes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because the neighbors are coveting your torso. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because the neighbors can't keep their mouths closed because <laughs> they can't figure out what your secret is right how the fuck is a 53 year old that shredded well because my man cheetah i know they call me the man dragon because <laughs> of the fucking fire i spit as a comic yeah the truth is from the neck down man cheetah head up neck head up, up what man is dragon Head down, man. Cheetah. You know what I'm saying? And if I'm driving on the highway, I tell the kids, I go, kids, it's the man dragon. You know what to do? <laughs> so there it is. And careful, because I hope you brought your fucking pyrotechnics suit, because you can catch fire. You can catch fire. Okay. Uh, and I liked what you said. We were looking at one thing about Instagram is that you can watch a fucking massive avalanche yes. happen in nepal yeah and then you went mother nature's undefeated mother nature's undefeated mother That's nature's right. undefeated my mother and this is a true story i'm not kidding my mother um my whole childhood used to bring a book a flashlight and a snickers bar when she would go skiing this is real oh, i thought this was her honeymoon <laughs> that was her honeymoon too right okay God sorry damn it steve <laughs> you know why she brought a fucking flashlight a book and a snickers bar when she'd go where when she was skiing do you know why she would do that in case of an avalanche in case she got caught up in an avalanche she'd have something to read and eat while they were coming to rescue her now now it dawned on her 20 years later that, that you're when someone you know who's who'd actually dug blue bodies out of fucking avalanche right that you don't survive that there's no air Right. There's no light. You ain't reading a fucking book in some little <laughs> hole that you created for yourself. To... It's unfucking believable. And for me, for the longest time, I, I thought that was normal until at like 17, because I'm a moron, I went, wait a minute. <laughs> You're not going to be reading a book or I should call her right now. I, I want to prove, like, I wanna prove that this is true. Literally, if you go into the ocean, it's like, I'm going to bring tub toys and a fruit roll-up in case uh, a tsunami. Dude, it's like, no, you're going to be swallowed whole. In case anybody thinks I'm bullshitting, in yeah. case anybody thinks that that's not true, I'm going to call my mother. Watch okay. this. 
We're not going to even tell her she's on. Please let her. Please tell me she goes right to voicemail. Please let her decline. I'd, I'd fucking love it if she declined. Oh, please decline. That's two. We're not off to a good start. It's four. You know that. Oh, buddy. Come You're on, come on, mom. Me. Mom. She looked at it. She put it back down. I'll call my dad after this. She's watching. She's watching the Thompson. Brian. Hey, hey, mom. How are you? Oh, damn it. I'm okay. Have you talked to Cameron? Um. Yeah. It's not good. No? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. But before I get into heavy stuff, um, I, I'm, I'm having a bet with a friend. Now, you, you used to carry a book, a flashlight, and a Snickers bar when you skied in case you... Well, if I got frightened, I'd start to shake, so I'd have the Snickers bar and replenish my sugar. I know, but wasn't there also the idea that you had a book and a flashlight... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it would be dark inside an avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you actually carried, I, I just want to make sure I wasn't dreaming this. I just told the story. You carried a, yeah. uh, tell, tell, tell me, so you carried a book uh, and, and, a, and, a, and a flashlight. Yeah, what happened, my Swiss friend's friend was caught in an avalanche and she was tumbled around, but she, when she stopped, she was in a little, like a little pocket of air. And she had some uh, M and M's in her in her backpack in her you know, so she she stayed I think two days, and she oh, ate wow. those. But I thought that would be boring, so I thought I'd bring a book. <laughs> yeah, I, I, okay, that's a great story. And just so you know. That never happened to your Swiss friend's friend. <laughs> she lied to you, and in the history of avalanches, no one has ever survived two days in snow in a pocket eating M and M's. And and their worst problem was that they were bored. Just so you know, you 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 know well, this, right? She definitely wasn't reading. That's for sure. I yeah, mean, I don't dead. know. That's the story. I heard it from Michelle. Okay, who I was supposed to call. I'm going to give her a ring. I don't, I don't, that's who told me the story. Yeah, well, she's, everybody's lying, so that's fine. Just so you know, some <laughs> nice people tell stories and none of them are true. All right, so I appreciate that. I'm going to go, she I'll call you back. heard it as a little girl. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this podcast, but I'll call you back, okay? Okay, okay, bye. Bye. What if a medic team actually was like, so just they so found you know. her, they dug her up, they found the pocket of air, and they're like, oh my God, miss, are you okay? And she's she's like, yeah, and she's reading like Jessica Simpson's All of Me and having like a 12-foot hoagie from Wawa. Where you guys been? You never oh, know, right? I mean, <laughs> like, what the fuck? They, I, I, had to I don't want to be bored. I had to check with my mother to make sure I wasn't dreaming that insane story. So it, lest anybody thinks I'm making shit up, it's yeah. like, God damn it. It's I used to tell a story, and I told it on Fighter and Kid, about how a great white shark, this this surfer in um, in Santa Cruz, right, was surfing, and the great white put the surfer in his mouth, oh. came up, bit him, and put his mouth up to the to his waistline, and then spit him back out. And when he came and said, "Great white put me in your mouth," in my mouth, they were like bullshit. And then they found the teeth under the surfboard. Oh man! Now, now I told that story, <laughs> and after about a minute, Brendan went. That's bullshit. Right. And I went, no, it's true. And he said, where'd you hear it? And I was like, a guy. <laughs> it's always a guy. When? Well, the, the, uh, six in the morning every, in Vegas. Uh, he was from Miami. Yeah. He had a lot of, been doing a lot of blow, but he seemed pretty reliable, he guys. He seemed reliable. 
every story, like so many of so much of our knowledge right. comes from a guy, you know, a person, <laughs> and at a time when you're impressionable, and you just it makes sense, so you take it as your own story. But that's kind of like the Bible, right? The Bible's <laughs> like a bunch of like yeah, it's a bunch of passed down, and then they get bloviated, and you're like, well, is that real? Yeah, that at it? least with the Bible, though, the metaphor, the metaphors, the are symbolism, yeah. like you can yeah. work with it. Yeah, like be kind to people, all that stuff. But sure. like, like some stuff, like um, Malcolm Gladwell in his book, I think it was Blink or mm -hmm. something, where if you had people come into a room and you mention the words orange juice, Florida, and raisin, they would leave the room s more slowly. Mm -hmm. They would actually, their, their, their movements would be slower leaving the room because it reminded them of Florida and old people. It reminded them of retirement. The problem with that story that he put in this book is that it's, it's not been replicated. Right. That that's actually was one experiment that sounded awesome that I used to always cite. Right can't replicate it you know there, there's a there's uh, there's all these kind of like well that's more of a i guess a subconscious you know experiment uh, on psychology yeah and there, there there are like little things you could do like i had read that and i haven't tried it yet but i want to try it where if you are a performer for every 35 people you can make a bet um you can make a bet with the audience right yeah 35 people yeah and say I'll bet I'll bet somebody in this audience a hundred dollars that two people here will have the same birthday, and that's what the odds are. I think you have like a seventy-seven yes. percent chance that two people will have the same birthday for every thirty-five people. And there was a it was it was a prop uh, proposition better uh, who who won the second or third uh, World Series of Poker called Amarillo Slim that used to do this all the time. He had amazing prop bets. He would tell a golfer, "I will bet you I can drive a golf ball." 750 yards and they'd say there's no fucking way you can drive a golf ball 750 yards he's like put your money down he, he never bet small he always found like champs and he'd bet yeah. big so he bet somebody like ten thousand dollars like a professional and golfer, he would drive the golf ball and then he would he would say okay i will come see you in a in a few months and i'll call you and i'll pick you up and you can see this and go okay so he picked him up and he drove him out to you know they, these poker players would play around the country so I think they were playing in Michigan or something, and he drove them to a lake that was frozen over, and he drove the golf ball, and it went tink, 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 and it went probably 1,500 yards. So it's always the Damn. context of like where what he was how? doing. Yeah, He got stuck in a jail cell with a big-time drug dealer from Mexico, and the sheriff of the town came over to Slim, and he goes, Slim, sorry, I got to take you in, and he leaves this poker, poker room. And he, he goes to jail and he sits in the jail cell and he's sitting there and he's just thinking, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And he's looking around the, the area and uh, the, the, the bailiff's like, do you guys want anything to drink at all? Can I get you coffee? He goes, yeah, give me a coffee and uh, you know, give me, give me uh, three cubes of sugar. Three cubes of sugar. So he's sitting there and he's working this drug dealer. He's getting to know him and he eventually gets his drug dealer to bet him 30 grand that he can bet he can bet where the fly will land. There's a fly in the jail cell. He said, I'll bet you 30 grand. I can tell you what sugar cube that fly is going to land on. Damn. And this drug dealer's like, are you fucking crazy? Yeah, I'll bet you 30 grand. And so Slim arranges the sugar cubes, okay? He goes, okay, he's going to land on this one. And so they're sitting there waiting for about maybe two minutes. And the fly lands on that sugar cube. 
And the drug dealer, drug dealer goes, oh my God. So the drug dealer arranges, you know, with his guy, gives Slim the money. Bailiff pulls Slim out of the jail cell. Good doing business with you, basically. And what, it, what, what you learn is that Slim knew that if you just wet your finger Damn and place right. it on, it starts to emit uh, uh, like a, it does a, something to the chemical breakdown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's invisible to the eye, but the fly will pick up on it and just go, oh my God, that's sugar. And then zip right into it. And it's all these like little prop bets. That ah, these guys, it's fuck, fucking man. amazing. Fuck, what is this? Is this a, a book? It's a book. Uh, it's called all the of all the I think it's of all the fat people in the world, and it's by Amarillo Slim, and it details his entire life from the time he learned how to play pool when he was sixteen or fifteen, and he was making thousands of dollars on the weekends, traveling around Texas, hitting up all those places, and then basically he it culminated with him having a lifelong rivalry with the real Minnesota Fats, who was portrayed by Jackie Gleason of in course, The Hustler, of course. Um, and it, it details all these crazy bets, all these uh, crazy he had, he things. It sounds he did. like he had figured out systems. He figured out something. Well, he figured out people. He said he never liked to make a, a sucker out of a loser. He wanted to go after a champion and make a sucker out of him. Yeah, of that course. was his big That's quote. Awesome. And he, for example, he this one time he bet Bobby Riggs, who at the time was who who did the uh, battle of the battle of the sexes. Do you remember that? Yeah, he played Billie Jean King and lost. I do. And he was in his mid fifties. He won, didn't he? he? Did he beat Billie Jean? He King? beat another woman, and then Billie Jean. Uh, took him on and she's 21 at the time i believe and he was in his can you look that up see if Bob, i feel like bobby riggs actually beat her the first time but anyway keep no he, he got smoked by her okay he did okay i'm sorry um but anyways you can look it up and and i maybe i i don't think i'm wrong i'm, I'm almost confident that pretty i'm pretty good says legendary sportscaster howard cosell called the match in which king beat king beat riggs six to four six to three six to three yeah straight sets there you go so what he did was he bet he bet uh, Bobby Riggs. He goes, you know what? I'll bet you like thirty grand that I can beat you playing ping pong, but I get to choose the paddle. And Bobby Riggs goes, you can choose the paddle, but we have to use the same paddle. He goes, absolutely. And they've been working on this bet for for a long time. And then finally, Slim came up with the one. Okay, so they get we're each going to use the same paddle. You get to choose which one you want, but I get to choose the paddle. He goes, great. So nine months later, nine months to ten months later. Um, the whole time Slim is practicing playing ping pong with a skillet. <laughs> so he shows up and he brings two skillets and Bobby Riggs looks at him. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so he does it with the skillet, okay? So he beats Bobby Riggs. Now the word gets out because it's a small community of all these prop bet guys and everybody that, that wants a little action. Um, so one of these guys finds out, I believe in Kentucky, that, that, that Slim took down Bobby Riggs with a skillet. So he goes, hey, man, uh, I know a pretty good ping pong player. And he's like, yeah, you do. He's like, yeah, yeah. And so he set up the bet, the same thing. And they set up this bet. They brought this guy, the, 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 the ping pong champion from China, of course. of course. They flew him in. Good luck. They had all this money. They had all this cachet. And then Slim shows up there that day. And he goes, wow, now that I see who you got, I really got to train. So you know what, guys? Let's say we come back here in another two weeks. Let me train a little bit more. And uh, just to make it up for you, I'm, I'm just going to bet a little bit more myself, but I just need a little more training. And so they, you know, he finesses it. He gets them all in. And now he knows. Not only does he just did he enhance the bet, now he's got everybody in the circles of, of betting. prop betting. They all flew in to see this. He said there were private jets there. There were this. There was that. So now he's taking all these bets. And what he did was he was doing an interview months earlier. He was preparing for this. 
He went to a soda machine before an interview on a local news station to promote a poker game in town, a charity. And he went to a soda machine and put a quarter in and a Coca-Cola bottle came down. And he was waiting to go on air and there was a ping pong table there. So he hit the ping pong with, you know, how it's it's almost like an octagon of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the shape of the Coca-Cola glass. And there was just like maybe, you know, a quarter of an inch that you could hit the ping pong off of that. And he did the first time serving over the net. And his buddy goes, do that again. And he kept doing it and he couldn't do it. So over the months, he learned where the sweet spot was, how to hit it. So when he finally shows up at the airport hangar to play these guys and, t- and take on all this money, he walks over the Coke machine, puts in two quarters, drinks a Coca-Cola, and then gives the Chinese guy another one. He goes, drink yours. These are our paddles. <laughs> and the Chinese guy had been training with skillets for the last few months because he thought he was going to replicate the same bet. Oh, and he said, he, said he made such a small fortune on that that the, if he so told now they, it now, So they played audited. fucking ping pong with cans. With no, with the soda, the old school '70s glass bottles, where there was an eighth, of, like a quarter of an inch that you could hit it perfectly. Oh my god! Yeah, man. but there was a lot the, of training guy, into it. Yeah, there's a lot of training. I mean, you still are training your ass off. Yeah. It's just that you're you're gonna have two weeks of practice on an obscure talent. Yeah. Or skill that the other person doesn't know how to do. It was all the creativity, and he would take months to set up these things, just like a casino. It's like chess. Chess. If you play chess, that's fine. You can play and you can practice chess. And then if you read one book on chess, mm-hmm. one book on poker, you'll be so much better than that person who just plays. Like right. they're just there are moves, there are techniques, there are, you're 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 taking in the collective wisdom right. of so many people. It's like there are certain like fundamentals, like when when uh, Ryan Garcia, who's gonna be the future of boxing, when he was fighting that Southpaw, mm-hmm. Luke Campbell. I don't know a lot about boxing, but I do know that he was fighting a southpaw. Mm-hmm. And when and I remember I remember seeing this, I was like, "Man, Ryan Garcia's foot is on the inside of Luke Campbell's foot." Mm-hmm. As great as he is, I would never say his foot should be on the outside. That's right. not you know I, I don't know what he's doing. He's a way better boxer, of course. But I knew that that was a there was a that was a there's a fundamental to boxing. Right. And if you're fighting a southpaw, you it's called winning the corner. You want your left foot on the outside of their right foot mm-hmm. okay because that way you won't get you, you now now he's in he's in line with your right right your right your back right. so so in other words you understand what i'm saying about yeah. that it doesn't matter the point is he was violating what i saw was a basic principle it's unorthodox what he was yeah saying. yeah and then he got caught and knocked down he got right. almost not if it was a big punch he would have been knocked out right and it was like, oh shit. And Ryan Garcia was like, oh shit, this is the first time I've been knocked down. It was crazy, right? And he even thanked Luke Campbell for teaching him that lesson. Right. Then I saw this guy, Coach Anthony, that is a friend of mine. He's an mm-hmm. amazing uh, coach. He works with Devin Haney and a lot of people. And he's an amazing uh, boxing trainer and knows boxing really well. Right. And he broke it down on, on Instagram. He goes, he was violating one basic tenet. And I was right. like, oh shit. So you you're know, right. The, yeah, so the point is, is that like the, the reason you would always work with a trainer, right. no matter how good of an athlete you are, a trainer knows through collective wisdom right. that that's a violation of a, of a principle, of a fundamental. Right. And you can get away with it. You, if you're really a great athlete like Ryan Garcia, you can get away with it mm-hmm. until you're fighting a dude who's also as skilled, and right. then you're going to get caught. It's like right. everything in life is that way. It's it's all like that. It's really it's skill is skill and skill is detail yeah. detail in 
the details make a huge difference. Yeah, that's that's why people say to us all the time, oh my God, I'd love to be a comedian. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah. be an actor. Okay. okay. Even like you want to go to Vegas, you want to gamble. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like once I read his book, Amarillo Slim's book on Vegas, I've never sat at a table since. <laughs> he said there's people that are out there, there's two types of gamblers, people that are looking for action, you're going to lose. Yeah. Just know that you're going to lose. Yep. And then there's people that are um, competitive yeah. in, in gambling and you're going to lose. And then there's people that are, that are obsessive gamblers. That These are the people we read about all the time, right? And basically he was saying that Sigmund Freud had broken it down that the obsessive gambler is someone that doesn't feel that they deserve money. And so eventually oh, so they're going to go broke. That's so interesting. Yeah. And that makes total sense. The obsessive gambler. I would say that's really, you know, Tony Robbins said that um, before you're rich, you've got to condition yourself for wealth. Like right. and I was like, whatever. But he breaks it down and he's like, it's true. We have a lot of conflicting belief systems around money and most of them are negative. Right. Like most of the times, like money's the root of all evil. Right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, um, if I make a lot of money, I won't have time to spend it. Uh, money, money changes everything. Right. Uh, money is, you know, there, there's all these things about money that, uh, you know, it's not just for the money. I don't do it just for the money. It's all that stuff that we have. Right. And it part of what he always finds is that there's a psychological sort of barrier to making money because you just don't feel like you're worth it, that you don't. Right, right. I have that in a big way. Right. I have, I'm very weird with money. I've always been. It, it's like my 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 girlfriend, my my ex wife, my everybody used to always say, "Dude, you you give money away." My buddy Tarek right. was saying, "You you spend money and you give it away the right. way you do because you don't think you deserve it." Right, like, I have yet I to don't. experience that, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna spend some money on you, motherfucker. I'm yeah. spending some money, okay? <laughs> but I do. I have a weird thing with money, man. Well, Chin, you're I'm, that way. You know, Chin's that way. Though. You are. Kinda, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have Catholic guilt. Like I have oh, deep rooted Catholic heavy. guilt, I guess Irish guilt. I, I, just any time I, I, you know, even like in this new neighborhood, I just bought a gorgeous home and it's custom, you know, it's newly built in Nashville. And every day I drive in because it's new. I'm seeing all these workers every day working in, in like twenty degree weather, Dude. and I'm just like, I, I want to go ask, can I help you with the wheelbarrow? Like that's my instinct. And I remember Patrice O'Neill years ago when I was at the Comedy Cellar. Um, I wish I knew him better. Well, he was a strong cup of coffee, you know? I only sat with him once with Dove Davidoff, and he kind of blew my mind with his brain. Just the most brutally honest human being oh, you'll ever meet. But and there was a weekend where, as young comics, we were constantly like, I got to get up on stage, I got to get up on stage. And there was, a, there was a, a comic that was on the road, and he had just come back, and he felt guilty for, like, sleeping in until, like, 3 in the afternoon. Every day that weekend, he was gone while his wife's home with the kid, whatever. Patrice is like, Patrice was sitting there, he goes, you fucking earned it. All these years of being a stand-up comic, and then you go on the road, you earned that moment to sleep in. Shut the fuck up. And it changed. That was one of those things where I was like, wow, that's a really fucking good way of looking at it. Of course, you want to work hard. You want to be goal-oriented. But there's those times where you're, you, you, you earn that moment on the road to sleep the fuck in. Because yeah, it's man. not just that weekend. It's the 12 years or 15 years as a young comic you put in at that time. Dude, my, my uh, acting teacher used to say that a long time ago. He would go to certain actors. He'd go, what's with the apology? Mm -hmm. What? He goes, you walk in the room with an apology. Right. You walk in the room apologizing with your body language, right. with the way you behave. 
what the fuck are you sorry for? Yeah. You don't have to apologize to anybody. Yeah. And he would go through their life and you'd see like they were really good people working their ass off. He goes, mm -hmm. how about this? How about you're a motherfucker? Right. How about choose to be a motherfucker and not apologize to anybody? Yeah. And how about just going to get what you want? Mm -hmm. If you really want it, go and get it. Yeah. And he would say that to us and we'd be like, fuck man, you know, it's like you're, you're yeah. it's so hard, it's so hard to have. It, it really is. Think about it. Yeah. Like for the most part, especially if you have an imagination, especially if you, if you feel guilty about having stuff in the first place. Yeah. Like the problem with reading history mm -hmm. and the newspaper and looking around yeah. is my God, people have it way worse. Fuck. Yes. I don't care how bad shit is look around yeah you know I, I mean it's like dude thank god i'm me yeah if you ever feel down just turn on springer and i'm telling you you're gonna feel oh my god like, oh my god thank god <laughs> just, dude, turn on jerry but springer. people always say that and i always wonder like you know you're gonna look at somebody rifling through trash and you're gonna oh god it could be worse and that guy rifling trash could be looking over there and some guys rolling around and, you know he just took a shit in the in you know on the street in venice and, the, and i wonder like i always wonder like who does the elephant man like look at he's like there's gotta be somebody worse than me right but there's got that's yeah you get to the bottom of the well, rock bottom and just like well i guess this is it huh? I, I worked with a with a guy who was a paramedic on, he used to be a fireman he was a paramedic on my on my goddamn tv show uh this tv show i was doing a long time ago and he didn't have a nose Oh. Uh, he only had a bandage where his nose was. Right. And uh, he, they had had to take his nose off because he had cancer. Oh, and, God. And, you know, you could see him breathing through his mouth. Now, yeah. I don't know if there's much worse than that. And he, he said, um, he said no, uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Yeah. I've been blessed. And I was like, damn, this dude feels blessed. He goes, I'm going to go with a prosthetic. He was yeah. a tough fireman. He was sure, a bad yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. But it was from the fumes, they think, and whatever sure. he was dealing with. But I was just like, this motherfucker's talking about how he's blessed, how, right. how everything is fine. And I was like, part of that's just talking to yourself. It's all perspective. I'm sure that know. guy has woken up and seen a sunrise and go, this is fucking beautiful. I'm alive. That's right. I had a great breakfast. It's fucking delicious. And maybe he had a great conversation with a friend. It's all perspective. Read, read a book. If you're, if you're listening, read a book called Walden. Um, well, it's Henry David Thoreau. And, and he talked, it's Walden Pond. It's about mm -hmm. his experience in the woods. He's the first guy to say, fuck this job in some ways, right? Right. And he was kind of like, he was, he got really into Eastern mythology and Buddhism. And, and he talks about, you know, I've, I've yet to meet a man who's, who's fully awake. And he talks about that. And, and he coined the term, I see men everywhere living lives of quiet desperation. Because right. they were just going to work and living their lives. And what he realized was that you need a certain amount of shelter and a certain amount of food. Right. And and to keep your body at a comfortable temperature. Right. And once your body's at a comfortable temperature, like think about it. So you wake up, you need a certain amount of sleep. You need a certain amount of food. You need a certain amount of uh, shelter, mm -hmm. clothing. And the whole point is to keep your body regulated, right? But right. You, when you're comfortable, like we are right now, I'm, right. I'm physically comfortable. Yes. It's because the air is just right. I've had enough to eat. Yeah. I've had enough to drink. Right. And I'm here enjoying my conversation. Once you go, there's not a lot of places to go beyond that. I can do a shitload of blow and feel fucking awesome for right. about an hour or 45 minutes. And then I'm going to crash. Right. I can drink great wine and get too drunk. I can get excited and warm, but I'm going to pay for it tomorrow. Right. The, but the, mainly the point is, it doesn't take that much to be where Happy. we are, yeah. like right here, physically comfortable and satisfied. Yeah. The rest is spiritual shit and all that. But even that, like getting your mind focused and centered, yeah, it's, it's almost the whole point. To read something like Walden Pond and then others derive it from 
defending the caveman. Jiu-jitsu. To be a really good striker, right. you got you to gotta fight. You can't hit mitts. Yeah. You can't. You've got to actually spar. Very few people do that. Pros do that. But you mean literally just yeah. open fists? I mean, if you're fighting somebody, the chances of a guy who actually spars, who actually understands distance mm-hmm. and how to counter and, 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 and defense, you have to train for that. You right. cannot hit mitts. You can't. It's fine that you can throw punches. Right. But unless you understand how to... Like if you, if you, if Even you take a punch, I assume. Right? Yeah. Like I, I, so many times I'd be at the gym and I'd see guys who could hit mitts mm-hmm. and then, and then you'd spar with them and then right. this is just different, man. It's but even in, in, in like yeah. hockey, you, it's one thing to check a body. It's another thing to learn how to take a check as that's well. That's right. All that stuff. And so I assume yeah. that's the same way in the ring when you're getting hit. There's a way to take a hit. Yes, man. And, and unless you practice that a lot, you're right. not going to, man, it's hard to, move out of the way and right. I, but i but there are a lot of people that know how to grapple and there are a lot of people that man, i don't know man you can get your ankle fucked you can get your you know i mean there's there's good jujitsu people can really hurt you right i'm also afraid of wrestlers wrestlers can pick you up and throw you on on, on their oh, head sure, yeah. but you can see that with dudes yeah like, like i usually usually you can see if some badasses don't say anything no and they the just badasses don't you. want it yes it's the guy it's the barking dogs that don't do shit correct yeah it, that's right that's exactly right. But sometimes even the barking dog has done something. Right. And that might be the difference between 20 years ago. Right. And, and you know, I don't know. There's something also the great equalizer has, was Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Right. To start. That's why the Gracie family is, must always be given their respect. Sure. Must always. Because they were the first ones to create this phenomenon called mixed martial arts. I love when a lot of like people are like, oh, Gracie, fuck Baja, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Like, hey, dude, have a little respect for where you come from. Right. You didn't invent that. That guy was a genius. Helio right. Gracie or whoever invented that. He was a genius. Right. And then they ushered in an entire like art form that's infinite and beautiful. And then, then from there... Everybody kind of worked off of that, and then you had these incredible mixed martial arts, it's like like you know Conor McGregor and all these guys. So. I love how like when especially people like very adept and well versed in the fight game, and, and you're friends with some of these people, like talk about the art of fighting. When you're in an actual fight, no one's thinking about the artistry. <laughs> you're just no. like this fucking sucks. Oh, dude, there is no art. You just blood. You're tasting copper. It just it's it's the worst feeling well, in the world. D- Donald Cerrone came to watch me spar. Yeah, and I and I. I worked at it, you know, and I and I'd also been a taekwondo guy, and I'd fought, you know, I mean, fucking whatever you want to call, it, but right. I did. I, I mean, I went to tournaments, and people would get knocked out, kicked, and stuff. And he saw me boxing, right? And I thought I did okay because I was boxing people who are not athletic and not boxers. Sure. And and he looked at me, he goes, "You're doing everything wrong." And, really? And I went, "Oh fuck!" And and but it, it was fine, of course. I while was. while you're sparring, was, you're thinking, "I'm holding breath, my own." But he's right, and then he gave me a lesson. <clears throat> yeah. On just maybe it was an MMA lesson, but right. it was so amazing how I, I get this guy who's won more more MMA matches than anybody in UFC history. Ever. Right, and it was such a privilege. And he's sitting here just teaching me basic fundamentals, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was really cool because he was just teaching me this. And by the way, that's when you know what a bitch you are because he looked so much bigger than me. He felt so much bigger. He was right. across from me, showing me shit, and I was like, oh my god, I cannot imagine fighting you. I cannot imagine having to fight. You know, with these traps and his neck, he just looked to me like a fucking giant. You know? Sure, but it was just interesting to have that experience. But average, you, you, you're in a bar in San Diego. You're out after show. Just an a guy off the street doesn't know shit. Just you're gonna, you're gonna, 
you're going to decimate them because you're well versed. I don't know. I'm fifty-three. What you're, Who the, I would never say that. But you know what you're doing. I do know. I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I compared train, to somebody that's got no I training. I train so like, I'm not a sitting duck. That's all. Right. I, I I'm terrified of being a total sitting duck. Right. So I know I'm a sitting duck, but I'd, I'd rather be. I'd rather be a duck that can at least flap their wings wings a little bit and get the fuck out of get out of. If there are alligators coming, I'd like to have a chance to take flight. Yeah. So that, that might be the better way to describe me, but but um. I like I know, but certain like guys, I know a really famous fighter. I won't say his name, but he was um he was one of the best ever. And and a guy tried to was picking on his friend. Right. And he looked at the guy and he goes, Hey, you should calm down a little bit. It was this big guy. Yeah. And the guy goes, Fuck you, man. And my friend goes, No, you should calm down. And the guy the guy kind of like grabbed my friend. Yeah. And my friend grabbed him by the head and just went, Sat and uh, yanked his head down and brought his knee up Ooh. and knocked him out at the bar went Sabat! like that Ooh. and the guy went meh, meh, like that this huge guy <laughs> and then he crumpled and he got back up and tried to fight him again and no. my friend did the exact same move he went no uh. you're not you're not a professional and it's like running the same play again yeah. in football it's like hey, this is that good put him to sleep damn put him to fuck sleep so you know, don't mess with pros. No, 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 no. And don't mess with anybody. Yeah, these days I just I, I think there was the last time I was almost in a fight. Almost was I was at ArcLight with a friend of mine. This before quarantine, we're watching a movie, uh, Dallas actually, mm. and there was a couple behind us in the way back. You know, like the handjob seats, yeah. the last row. Yep. So they're talking the whole fucking movie, the whole movie, and I just I'm just sitting there going I. Every time I go to the movie, somebody's got a fucking yap. It's just unbelievable. So that's so obnoxious. I, I, I it's like when you're doing stand up and they're fucking talking. Yeah, <laughs> I, it was so annoying. And I'd say half the times I've been to movies here in, in LA, you, you experience that. So I go take a leak. We're all bullshitting, and then um, the guy and the girl were walking past me in Dallas as we're waiting for another friend of mine. And I go, I couldn't fucking help myself. I go. Yap, 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 the whole fucking movie. <laughs> and he goes, what? I go, you two didn't shut the fuck up the whole goddamn film. He goes, you got a fucking problem? And I go, yeah, I got a fucking problem. And I told you what the fuck it is. And it you're a, you're a bit guy. of a hothead. <laughs> I get, I get, I, it, it can, it, the, the fuse is easily lit. Wow. So he he comes over and he's standing there and he's fucking like huffing and puffing. He's a, he's a black dude and it's not important to the story, but he just got in my face and I just stood there and I was like, if he fucking, I will, I will do what I can, you know? And he, he starts, he, st he walks away from me, he starts pacing, telling me all the things he's going to do. <laughs> and now I know, okay, he's never been in a fight in his life. Yeah. Cause now I'm thinking, okay, now I'm a lot more. But did you feel myself. like you didn't want to lend your, I would never fight a black guy no matter what. I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to lend to the fucking Racist. They, I don't want to. Oh, somebody wanna, films it. That and then I was racist. Like, Look how Steve hates black I don't want, people. Yeah, I don't he want picked that. The table. Shit. Up. I'd be he, like, no way. I'd find a white guy. The, I'm not fighting a black. One of the tables up. You know, there's seating areas at ArcLight. He picked one of the tables up and threw it at me, and I moved out of the way, and it went into the wall. And shit. And uh, I'm just standing there. I'm like, I'm like, this is somebody that's never been in a fight. He's having a temper tantrum. And the more he did this shit, the more I felt comfortable. <laughs> That A, nothing was going to happen, yeah, he was and B, if something there. was going to happen, I was going to beat the fuck out of him. Yeah. I, I have fought a black guy. Didn't I tell you the story? In no. Phoenix, Arizona? No, I don't know why you're making about blacks. I just want everybody to know this is outrageous. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even want to- Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. By the way, I, I will refrain from calling him that. So I fought this Democrat. Um, <laughs> 
So I was in Phoenix, Arizona. I was with a comic that I'm not going to tell you uh, this person's name, yeah. but you, you can maybe figure it out. So, so meet these girls after show. This is years ago. It was a while ago. We go out after the show with these girls. We end up back at the hotel. We split up, and then we end up back in this comic's room. And the girls are talking. Me and the comic are talking, and I go, uh, I go, you know, I'm going to walk them back to their car. And he goes, okay, have fun. So I go to, uh, he and I are catching up. These girls have already left the room. I go into the lobby of the hotel, the parking garage is downstairs where the car is, and this guy is holding the doors open. He's got four of his boys behind him. And I kind of slip under his arm and I go, hey, hey, I, I get it, guys. They're cute girls, but our night's coming to a close, right? And he just fucking ignores. I'm Patrick Swayze and Ghost. I don't exist. So I'm not there. So he keeps going, come on, girl, give me a number. Give me a number. She's like, I'm not giving you a number. He's like, come on, girl, let's just hang. Let's get a drink. She's like, I don't, I, I'm not hanging with you. He goes, you want this bling? You want to hang with this bling? She goes, I don't want your bling. And his buddy's tapping him on the shoulder, wrap it up. I'm like, come on, man. And she goes, he goes, come on, girl, at least give me a number. This is, this is two minutes now. She goes, I'm not giving you my number, you. And then she drops oh, it. No. She drops the N-bomb, and I'm thinking, oh, oh no. Oh, Now no. everything's in slow motion. He brought the racist out of her. She brought, she, he brought the, she, he brought the racism out of her. He brought it out of her, yeah. Now, all of a sudden, Damn. he walks in. The guys are stuck out there. The door's shut. Now it's me and him. I step in front of the girl as he is approaching her. I grab his shoulders. He grabs mine. I played ice hockey all my life, so I know. All right, he's black. He probably has never played hockey, so this is what I do. Grab his shirt pull it over his head pull the jersey over pull his the head. jersey over his head and now i'm just going for broke i'm hitting him as hard as i can because we're in confined space i'm like you know this is it you, you got to give it your best and, and i'm just drilling him and drilling i'm going you done you done he goes chill dog chill i go you done you done he goes chill dog chill i go are you fucking done he goes i'm done now i realize as he's getting up and i pull off she's crying He's getting his. She's an asshole. <laughs> she, hey, asshole. She, he's pulling his shirt over his head. I'm sitting there and I realize we shifted the elevator off its moorings. Now we're stuck in midair. <laughs> oh my God. And now I remember hearing Sarah Smiles by Hall and Oates. You should have been like this. She was wrong on what she said. I totally disagree with her. <laughs> she's a fucking racist, but I have to beat you up because I'm afraid you're going to beat but me up. But she's a cute racist. Oh, God. So Sarah Smiles is playing, and every time I'm in a CVS or Walgreens and Sarah Smile comes on, I always, I, I'm not in line at a Walgreens with uh, an Arnold Palmer iced tea. I'm in an elevator in Phoenix, Arizona uh, in this situation. So, so he gets back up and he pulls his shirt over his head, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and I'm just sitting there. I'm going, he's going to fucking come at me. He's going to hit me again. And he's looking at me. I go, he's fucking going to hit me. So get ready, Steve. And I'm, I'm kind of like up against the wall, and I'm putting my weight against the wall, ready for him to come so I can push over. And he's looking at me, and I look at him, and he just kind of like, his eyes squint a bit, and he goes, were you on BET's comic view? I go, fuck, yes. He goes, you did the Bruce Lee bit? I go, yeah, he goes, dude, that's fucking great. He goes, what are you doing in Arizona? I was like, well, I did a comedy show. That's where I met this racist. And we start <laughs> laughing. She's crying. Now all of a sudden ah, you now hear, you're his boy. <laughs> now I'm his boy. I'm like, you guys want tickets? I'll get you tickets. Oh, the show. I he's love like, that. He's shit. like, I love it. All of a sudden you're, and the elevator goes right to the lobby. The, the manager is behind these guys. So as soon as the door opens, his boys rush in. Pop, pop, rip. My shirt gets ripped. He, he gets in front of me. He goes, no, 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 no. Guys, stop, stop, stop. He goes, guys, you know what BT's comic? Are you the Bruce Lee comic? They go, yeah. Yo, shit. And they all start going like, oh. And the manager goes. I wish goes, the world was like that. I wish the yeah. fucking world 
could make up like that. That's the greatest fucking story. And then the manager goes, I called the cops. They bolt. The girls go in the elevator back down. And then this comic comes out of the business center, all Adidas gear, okay, holding a, a cappuccino from the business center. He just looks at me. I goes, know exactly who he is. He goes, what the fuck happened to you, guy? <laughs> I'd be Sebastian. That would be. I'd be Sebastian <laughs> So that's what happened. My shirt was ripped. I had a bloody lip. I ended up getting like a black eye from it. But that was that was the last but fight I've ever been in in my life. And it was one of the greatest situations I've ever been in. And he'd be the first, if I ever saw him again, to buy him a beer and a shot and go, that was fucking crazy. That's fucking I don't blame I him for coming world, in. And why I hope can't he wouldn't blame me for doing that, that. Why can't shit end that way all the time? Yeah. Why can't like someone some asshole says some fucked up thing? Yeah. And then you get in a fight, but then you become friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I can't stay mad. That's my problem. Is I just can't stay mad. I wish I could. Some people can hold a goddamn grudge. Yeah, I, I, I don't hold on to grudges too much. I think, again, it's the, probably Catholicism. But you got your jaw broken. I had my jaw broke, yeah, by a, a, a cab driver. Who was I, clearly a boxer or something. He must have, I don't know. I, I've, I've taken Armenian? some punches. He was a short, stout, yeah, he seemed, yeah, you know. Armenian or Russian. Western block kind of, yeah. Yeah, like Bulgarian. Or, a little bull, a little bull type yeah, guy. And I was, I, was, I, was, I was at Beecher's Madhouse at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. Uh, not to plug the, the the scene of violence, but I was there and I was waiting. We were the first line for a cab. I had a few drinks and I was like, I'm going to take a cab home tonight. And this guy's having a cigarette. And I go, sir, can we jump in your cab? He goes, when I'm ready. And he's taking another drag and he's hanging on like, so we got to wait for this guy to finish his cigarette. So it's just going on and on. And I go, sir, c c seriously, can we get out of here? Or can I jump in the second cab? He goes, you'll wait. And he does another drag of the cigarette. I'm like, this guy's a fucking asshole. And so finally I go, you know what? I don't even want to get in your cab. This has been five minutes now. I go, can I just jump in the second cab? So the second cab driver walks over and he goes, I'll take you. And the first driver starts mouthing off to me and, he, and he's coming towards me. And as I'm walking past his cab, going to the second cab, I just spit like up in the air and it lands on his, because I want to make it like a pink. And as soon as it hit there, he goes, you're going to clean that off. I go, clean what? Bop. And that's when he just hit me wow. and he punched me right in the face. My, my head snapped back and my initial gut reaction normally would be to go after him. I knew something was instantly wrong and I just stood there and my buddy Gareth Reynolds went over to the guy and the guy just shoved Gareth out of the way. And Gareth, I, I just, I just walked into that second cab. I go, Gareth, I got to get out of here. And I could talk and everything. But uh, yeah, my jaw was broken, and my jaw got broken the same day Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins had his jaw broken. So we're healing at the go. same time. So every time I saw his health updates, I was like, "Oh, two weeks away from gameplay." Then I should be two weeks away from anybody's got a broken broken bone. You know what helps? You know what food helps? What? You know what really for whatever reason? Well, I'll tell you the reason: uh, raw sesame seeds. Apparently, tahini, really? tahini, uh, which is ground sesame seeds. <laughs> Very high in calcium and super easy to absorb. <laughs> super easy to absorb. From what I understand. I just drank milkshakes all the time. There you go. Because I had a liquid good. diet. And so I had my smoothies and I had my milkshakes. And that was How it. long were you, was Six you weeks. Fuck. And it was, it was just before the second now, season of Sullivan. No, it was during the second season of Sullivan. I tell that there. story differently and I wasn't there. I'm like, Steve gets in there. The guy goes, bop, bop, knocks him out. And then the next guy comes in and he goes, bop, bop, and knocks him out with a hook. I, I've told that story that yeah. way, so I'm a liar. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't what, know why how I, I ended up breaking it really was I, I 
took out all these cab drivers. And what? Then I, and then I looked at them. I said, you want to know how bad of a motherfucker I am? And I pulled the parking meter out of the cement. I thought you pulled out and your dick. <laughs> as I did it, I hit myself in the jaw and split it. And that's how it happened. <gasps> then I dropped the parking meter. That's the true story. Yeah. And I and I still said, and I'll still tip you because I'm an American. I fucking threw my dirty money at them. And I, I got, God. I didn't, I, I ran to the hospital. God yeah. damn. And they were such crisp dollar bills. I'm yeah. sorry, $100 bills that they, they lodged into their fucking cheeks. That's right. And when I got to the hospital, See? the nurse said, what's wrong? Are you okay? You look fine. I said, I think I broke my jaw. She's like, why are you erect? I said, because I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. And, then and I said it like Regis own, Philbin. You set your own I'm cross. excited. Kikish. <laughs> I, just, yeah, I fixed it myself. And went down, back down to its <laughs> nine inch. They're back down to its nine inch at ease. It was the Macy's, Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade at 2 p.m. All the balloons were yeah. deflated. Sorry, That's what happened sorry, I'm sorry about being all 10 hot. At ease, soldier. Can sorry I ask you, though, had you been in street fights when you were younger? Or yeah. what, was, what was your last fight? I mean, I... I don't like telling fight stories because people think that I'm full of shit. So right. I'm not going to tell you any fight stories. Also, I I like that you're telling fight stories, but but um, I know I'll get shit for it, so I'm not going to tell the story. <laughs> okay, you tell me off there. Suffice to say, I have I have put someone in an arm bar. Oh, I've been pushed over a table, and and when I was first doing jujitsu, and and popped my hips up, and and in an old fashioned arm bar. Yeah. Before he knew what was going on. And it worked very well. I have slugged somebody with everything I got in my right hand. I have headbutt somebody, and f it, it didn't work out so well for them. But that's all I'm gonna say. I've done but did, did it feel good, for example, when you did the arm bar, like to have all those years of training I'm, I was and it actually so worked in no, no, real you're life? I was always so afraid. But in real life, when you were driving home, weren't you? I, I think that like, I was literally, cool. I remember one time I back kicked a guy. Uh, I did some stuff, and this big guy. What do you guy, mean back kicked? Uh, you know. It's when you jump up and back kick, you know, go like that, whatever. But I mean, <laughs> but, 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 but I mean, there's stories. I have witnesses. I'll let you. I'll tell you the stories. They're all embarrassing. But, but I mean, um, I you really I, did a spinning back kick. I did. I I, I and, I and executed. I actually fought. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you stories and people, but I get shit for it. So it's yeah. It's just embarrassing. But yes, when I was younger, the answer is, I did. And in fact, on Joe Rogan, John, right. John Joseph. Who knew me when I was younger? Yeah, attested to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. said something about me being a, me when I was younger because I I I was again terrified. I was a coward. Right. <clears throat> so I was always going to do if 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 it was a big guy. Let's just say you're a bodybuilder. You take your shirt off and you shove me. Right. Let's say that happened. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna just be shoved. So right. John probably told something. He probably he might have been there. Maybe he knew about sure. a story like that. But but um, for me it was always uh, I, I was always like when it would be done I was always like I felt like I just skated by by the skin of my teeth. Right. And that because I trained I somehow stayed alive. Right. Right. Like I was always it's always terrifying. Right. And sometimes it happens so fast you just don't even you're just so mad and outraged by their yeah. behavior that you you do what you do and then later on you're like fuck, you know. But yeah. I but I I no, the answer is uh I think, you know, if, if when you're younger and you 
you know, back, remember back in the day before there were fucking cameras everywhere. Young people don't sure, know yeah. this. Yeah. Before there were cameras everywhere, you 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 know you could do whatever you, you could get in a fight. Nobody saw what was going on. Mm-hmm. You could fuck. You could just get in. You can get your ass kicked or kick someone's ass and and not be literally globally not embarrassed. Be, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, I but but I got yeah. I mean, I just hated injustice. I hated yeah. an injustice. I hated when. Um, like I was walking down the street in Hoboken one time and these three dudes said something to my girl. Right. You know, and I was like, Theory well, says I, you should let it slide. She I, would tell I you can't. let it slide. I could Yeah, I, I understand couldn't. what you're saying, yeah. And I got lucky that I didn't get fucking, because it was three of them, three, but, but, right. you know. But again, I won't tell you these stories because frankly, uh, I'll tell the to you, I'll tell the stories to you. I'll let the people that were there tell the stories to you. That's a better way to okay. prove that you were acting. Everybody has a fight story, and it's always bullshit. Yeah, it started. It was a, probably a shoving match. That and lasted. I was, nah, but I hit the dude. Then I came over, and yeah. no, you didn't. Yeah, but I'll let. I'll if if I'm going to tell you a story, it, it it'll be I'll I'll have somebody who can attest, like my right. sister. Yeah, my sister saw me in France fight a bunch of skinheads. Really. Sure. I'll let my sister tell you the story. Okay. I won't tell you the story. Well, I look forward to that then. But that was a very scary situation. Yeah. I, they were robbing a couple and wow. old Bry. Oh, dude. 20, this is 20, prime for 22 you. 22 year old Brian. Like a script writer could not have said, worked this out is a what I've been scenario. getting ready for all this summer. Is every man's dream. This is what I've been getting ready for all summer. Hey, watch you put the lady's purse down, you motherfuckers. And, and you got a fucking problem? I don't know. No, no Do talking. We? There was like, no talking. Was, there was no, no talking. Was, no? no way. There was just go. That because was, really? if you talk, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. If you're going to do it, that's the way I look at it. If you're going to actually, if, that's why I never beat my horn or talk shit. In yeah, yeah. Ever. If I'm going to beat my horn and talk shit in a car, you you know I'm. you probably threaten my child somehow with your driving. Right. Sure. I'm now I'm ready to die. You know, I, I'm so afraid to fight. It's so terrifying. You don't right. know who the fuck you're fighting. You don't know if they have a weapon. Yeah. And then it's all downside. Cause even if you get lucky and catch the dude, yeah. you're going to jail or you're going to get sued. There's zero yeah. upside. You get, I got in a fight one time. I can bend my thumb this way. This thumb will not bend back. Yeah. That's me. It okay. went into a wall. Look, I dislocated that. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. But also, yeah. you know, and the other thing about talking about fighting is I have friends that are fighters. I that are, yeah. That's Sam. Oh, okay. I bet you Sam's here. Hold on. Oh, I knocked up a crazy person. I tried to turn an alley cat into a house cat. <laughs> <laughs> tried to turn an alley cat into a house cat. House cat. Um, <laughs> let's kick back back in and we'll just, I, you know, um. I, uh, I I was writing. She's laughing because we took a little break, and I'm like, and I was singing a song. <laughs> Tried to take an alley cat and turn it into a house cat. Yeah, <laughs> alley cat, alley cat, you gotta calm down. Alley cat, alley cat, you gotta stop wandering. Oh. Alley cat, alley oh, cat. Okay, well, closet too sharp. Should we? Uh, yeah, call it. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, another one in the books. Another one in the books, buddy. And, Big uh, N. Any other questions about fighting before okay. we wrap shit up? No, but I, I, as we go on, I'd love to. Now that we've established that I'm a street fighter with a secret pass. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, this was fun, man. I had a good time. One of the things about getting older is you realize that no matter what you do, you are going to be vulnerable and a bitch. Oh, yeah. And my friend's stepdad bought a gun when he was 65. Yeah. And he carries carries it he lives in virginia yeah and his wife was like i don't understand and my friends my friend was like well that's because you're not a man who's lost all his power at 65 right or a 16 year old can do whatever he wants to you sure so he feels like he needs a gun to keep his power it's a weird thing with like a man losing their getting older yeah well part of getting older is losing your relevance yeah losing your potency in every sense of the word mm. losing your um you know, uh, and, and, and just being aware that it's not getting better next year. It's no, like it's getting, it's getting harder. There's a great line in, uh, Indiana Jones and the last crusade where before Indy goes off on his adventure, uh, the assistant Dean or whatever says, Indy, we're at a point in our lives where life stopped giving us things and starts taking them away. And That's like, right. What a fucking great line. That's a huge part of understanding. If you're yeah. 20, you go, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to be a great boxer and have a sick body. Yeah. Uh, you know, but well, if you're if you're 30, you can be like, by the time I'm 40, I'm going to be running, I'm going to be breaking my personal bests in triathlons. Yeah. You don't say that when you're 40 to 50, and you sure as fuck don't say that from 50 to 60. Yeah. No matter what you do, you're not even holding ground because yeah. that's that's how this cookie crumbles. You understand? I ain't a cookie. You felt me. And there's nothing about my body that's cookie. You right. understand, bro? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get is, it. I get I'm it. Mm, cookie. I'm mm, still a cookie. People and are scared of COVID. People are scared of white nationalism. I'm scared I'm four years away from Centrum Silver. Like, that's my fear. <laughs> Centrum. I'm done. There it is. Burn. Walk off. Burns out. Walk off. That should be the podcast right there. <laughs> yeah. I want to thank the great Sam Tripoli and the great Steve Byrne for being my saviors in my very low and dark period of my life. Not anymore. And I want to thank my genetics for having <laughs> the wherewithal. Pajamas? Dude, these are Lululemon. <laughs> and I'm going to change out of them. Oh, is this a full length? Are they getting these? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're getting that. Yeah, I'll probably. <laughs> Daddy will probably get out of these. Does well, it say Boner Pride on the back? Well, Daddy, come, Daddy comes <laughs> boner straight. Boner Pride. Boner. That's your first merch, dude. Boner Pride. <laughs> Boner pride. I don't understand what's going on. I gotta sleep, but I might do ballet too. I you get if you get on. even a little bit of a, of a situation down there, everybody can see it. And I was in New York City as a young man, and I had a boner for no apparent reason. Yeah. I was just fucking That's horny. That's the beauty of being young. That's the thing about being young. And I'm walking down. I'm walking down the street, and I still had a little situation left. And this guy goes, he got a he got a hard on. <laughs> I was like, oh, That's keep what walking. He said. And he followed me and he started trying to get, he was trying to crane his neck. <laughs> I finally had to stop. I go, take a walk, bro. Why, Dolores, yep. this young man has a boner. That's right. <laughs> and I was so mad and we ended up dating for like four years. It was so fucked up. Not even my type. Enough about Kevin Spacey. Guys. Guys. Um, guys. Been a good episode. What's the name of this show, by the way? Big and Hungry, brother. Big and Hungry. Big and Hungry. This is another episode of the Big and Hungry podcast. Thank you, everybody. And uh, come see me in Florida, uh, February 4, 5, and 6. Nashville, Zanies, February 11, 12, and 13. Um, had to uh, cancel Denver because it's COVID killed it. 
not around anymore. The first week of February, I'll be in St. Louis, and then yeah, after right. that, I'll be at the Irvine Improv, 13th. Oh, the Irvine or the Irvine? Oh, Irvine Improv. Yeah. A lot of Asians. Yeah. Yes, thank God. That's thank like the Tokyo Lord. Drift out there. Tokyo Drift. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Tripoli and I are about to do a podcast. He's just sitting on the couch over there. You guys can't see him, but you can sure as fuck hear him. Guys, this is uh, Stevie Cakes and the Mandragon. <laughs> We're out.